0: What's going on, Charles Botenson here? We are on podcast, I think, number three or two. I don't know, right around there. Uh, But essentially, what is the point of the podcast? The podcast is really just ideas that, you know, on a video, it's very, you know, people are visually stimulated, they're auditorily stimulated, and you also have to produce good content. When you take away a couple of those things, like um, the content and its long form, And obviously, yes, it still has to be quality content. However, the actual video part, you know, people are mostly drawn to visual things. So, you know, a lot of people will give up, say, sound as long as the video is good, you know, which is is ironic. But the content still needs to get there. So these are really things that they didn't make it to video and they're not good enough for a video. So it's just a, a bunch of things that are on my content list and my content list, obviously, which is pretty much straightforward um, things that I want to put either in a blog post on iCharles.com or video post or obviously now on the podcast. So today we're going to be talking about uh, a bunch of buzz, uh, business, failures and not really failures, but blunders, you know, throughout my entire life, you know, there's been a slew of things that I've done and really messed up. And that's the thing is that we all mess up. I think I, you know, the problem with me, which sounds a little bit counterintuitive is that I don't have a fear of failure. I have a fear of success. I have a fear of success. So in either way on a fear of failure or fear of success is you do you And this goes all the way back to Dr. Susan Jeffers. And she wrote the book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And the core of every single fear is I'm not going to be able to handle this. If success comes, I'm not going to be able to handle all the fame and the attention and keeping the standards high. Or if you fail, I'm not going to be able to handle the bankruptcy, the shame, the embarrassment, my friends knowing, uh, losing money, things like that. So At the core of every single fear, say you want to approach a pretty girl or you want to ask that guy out, everything is, well, I'm not going to be able to handle if they say no or if they say yes, I'm actually going to have to live into this person. They're the prettiest girl I've ever dated. Maybe she has really high standards or that's the most handsome guy or the most high status guy that I've ever dated. So I'm not going to be able to handle that. You know, he's around all these popular people at the core of every single fear is I'm not going to be able to handle it. So really, those are the two areas of fear that you first have to get over is what do you have a fear of? A fear of failure or a fear of success? Then when you say, okay, I have a fear of failure, break down the actual fears that you have because each person is completely different. My fears of success are going to be totally different than someone else. You know, someone else will be, well, I didn't come from this this type of environment. My family is not going to be accepting of it. My friends, my social circle is not going to be accepting of it. That's not my fear of success. My fear of success is keeping a high standard and continuously producing a ridiculous amount of great content. Or what if they see me, you know, having a donut and they're like, "Oh, Charles says never to have donuts and I saw him out having a donut," you know? I always look at it And just to go back to the food, which is, you know, listen, you want to do 90-10. You know, obviously Pareto's principle, which is 80-20, which is 20% of the activities that you do account for 80% of your success. You know, you will make sales calls and that's 80% of your business. And that's with anything, you know, eating right and exercising is 20% of your time. However, that's 80% of the actual health benefits when you break it down. So we'll just go over a couple, couple of my failures, but for me, which is just do 90% of the time, just be on track, you know, do the best you can. You know, that's the thing is that always just be a little bit closer to growth all the time, just a little bit closer to your goal. If it's weight loss, if it's a certain dollar amount, if it's grades, making a team, whatever the case is. So with me, you know, A, I'll talk about some personal ones, which, you know, personal blunders. And then I'll talk about business ones. And like I said, for me, you know, a lot of people... And it's funny because when people say, can you talk about some of your failures? You know, I, I always think, like, why do you want to hear about the failures? And it's it really humanizes the person that you're either listening to or watching on YouTube or a speech or whatever. And that's actually one of the things that I wish... Uh, You know, who's very good at that is Elon Musk. Elon Musk always talks about, you know, some of his shortcomings with the business and read his book and you'll definitely know how challenging it was and how close he was to bankruptcy literally in 2009, I think with both companies that they weren't able to actually make payroll. They're a week away from bankruptcy and folding both companies. And then finally a windfall of money came through and then the third space shuttle actually got off the ground and those are huge huge visual and public displays of failures you know if if a spaceship doesn't go off the ground that's all over the news so when you approach a pretty girl or that guy says no to you that's not a big deal you know and i'm sort of getting over that right now which is it's really not a big deal over the grand scheme of things you know Think of one of the things, say, a year ago that you just, you're like, you know what? I I don't know if this is going to work out or, and you did it anyway and it didn't work out. There's so many of that that happens daily that your mind does not, unless it was emotionally disturbing, you're not going to remember it. Think of all the things that you actually remember. There's There's an emotion tied to it. So we'll just talk about some of my personal ones. So growing up, I wasn't the best with attracting women. Um, Yes, I had girlfriends and girls like me, but just not the ones that I wanted. The real pretty girls—they always dated other guys. And you know, there's been an embarrassing amount of relationships when I was in high school and college that I just thought I didn't deserve this girl, or she could do better, or you know, I can't believe she's dating me, or whatever the case is, and. That was, you know, it it getting, and the reason being is that that is biology. That is the core reason that we're on planet Earth. Yes, it's to survive, but it's to replicate. So, at the deepest, deepest part of your ancestral brain, your lizard brain, if you want to call it, the just the the first portion that was ever formed, you know, millions of years ago or whenever it was formed, hereditarily. You need to procreate. So why do I bring up that personally? Because everything you do is wrapped around reproduction. You know, for a girl, it's to be in shape, look pretty, look healthy, because a guy looks at a girl, and obviously, if this is a heterosexual relationship, a guy looks at a girl for the health. The girl looks at a guy for his, can he take care of me and my offspring? So guys, we always try and get, we need to be the leader of the pack. We need to make money. And that's how it's done now. Back in the day, it was, can he physically protect me from nature? Can he go out and actually get me food? Can he keep us alive in case there's a war with another tribe? That's the thing is that we think today we're like this super evolved creature. We're not. We're just... We're the same thing that we were millions of years ago it's just the environment around us changed evolution can't change that that quickly and I'm not saying over millions of years I'm saying over a hundred years over fifty years over ten years you know our core reason for being here it and it's not the why are we here question but the core human and actually animalistic for any of the animals is to actually procreate so everything we do is re- is to survive which that's why we don't do certain things because it's fear and then the other the reason we do certain things is for actually trying to find a mate that you can procreate with and that starts as young as whenever it starts now you know say 11 12 13 right around there and everything you do in life as smart as you want to get the as good as you want to do in sports is to trying up the ladder of how good your potential could be so you can attract the person that you want. So moving on to other personal failures, Um, I would say that I... Um, I was really bad at school, which you probably already know. And why is that personal? Because I thought I was stupid. I thought that I had no outlet to success in life. I thought that uh, who I was going to be is exactly, or who I am is exactly who I'm going to be. And that uh, my life is not going to get any better. You know, I relationship-wise, I, I wasn't happy. You know, not with my ex girlfriends, but just, you know, the girls that I liked, they didn't like me back. And then school wise, which kind of affects you in the school and status environment and hierarchy and reputation, obviously my mindset is totally different now that um, if I'm on my path and I'm just consistently getting a little bit better, is that that is what is attractive to a woman. Back in the day, I thought it was just being super nice and you know, to be honest, I was a big pushover, you know, I was a big pansy. Um, I was aggressive in sports, but when it came to women, I was just, I would just rolled over and killed over like a, like a puppy. So, um, I would say that, so what is it when you're younger? It's really school girls and money, which I didn't have much of, you know, I, so what is that wrapped up in that? That's, you know, like that's a lifestyle. You know, my lifestyle, a lot of people are very confident in, say, their looks because they hit the generic lottery, you know, or genetic lottery. And they're physically attractive. However, they have an insecurity on how much money they have, you know. I. You know, the best way to put it in New York is, and this is anywhere. Everywhere, there's something different. L.A., it's very, what do you do, your status. Miami, it's, you know, it's looks and... Uh it's also a little bit of LA, but not as much. It's very it's more family oriented, but there's a lot of money and superficiality in New York. It's all about what how much do you make. And there it's a very transient city. There's not much sitting down and going and doing better and things like that. So what I would recommend is think about where you have insecurities and when you're younger. And you have an ability to change. That was the thing is I had a fixed mindset. You know, Carol Dweck wrote the book on mindset. And I highly recommend it if you already haven't, you know, heard of it. But I could just sum it up in two words, which is you either have a fixed mindset, which is this is how it is, or you have a growth mindset. And the growth mindset is I can change this. So for me, I thought I couldn't change that girls that I liked didn't like me. Like, yeah, there's – listen – you're not going to be able to attract everyone that you run into. However, you can make yourself more attractive by understanding, say, social dynamics or, you know, bettering yourself, being on your path, um, physically fit and mentally strong in reading and things like that. And that's attractive to a far majority of women. Yes. Physically, if I'm not someone's type or whatever, that's something I can't change. I'm talking about the things that you can change. So Number one was I didn't have a lot of money growing up. And it's not like we were poor. It's just I had an insecurity around it because there was, uh, you know, most people around me had a lot more money. You know, their parents had a boat or another house or they had sick birthday parties. But what I did not appreciate at the time, I always equated my external things, say money and looks, you know, because I had acne. um, I equated that to my self-worth. And because of that, I wasn't confident at all. So personally, I would say those were a lot of floibles is that I had a fixed mindset, I didn't grow, I wasn't good at school, I, the girls that I was attracted to weren't really attracted to me. And you know, I was always that guy that, that girls, or I'm sorry, that guys would hang out with because I was a lot of fun, but they, there was no confidence that Charles was gonna go somewhere in life. And I have absolutely no idea what happened You know, you could call it, Tony Robbins calls it grace, which is, you know, a a formation of the universe or God or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But I, I just picked up a book after I, you know, I took too long to graduate. It was over four years. I spent too much of my parents' money and my own money. And it was just, I was in a total mess. I was a total disaster. And I picked up a book. And by the grace of God, universe, source, power, whatever the heck you want to call it. I just turned overnight into a growth mindset. I, I read a book and I said, "Holy cow, you can learn about this." So I started changing my personal foibles, and then started moving into business. So if you want to learn about some of my business failures, let's talk about it. You know, I I've done so many jobs. I was a door-to-door salesperson. I sold Cutco knives. I did landscaping for a couple of people in my neighborhood. I mowed their lawns. I caddied, which was, you know, you go to a golf course and you carry their bags around. Let's see. I was in marketing. I did. I owned a, a couple of eBay businesses where you would buy and resell things on eBay. And I was engineering. I also did, gosh, um, you know, just tons of different jobs, you know, as a waiter at the Olive Garden and this really shitty diner in Pennsylvania. So that's the thing is that you have to understand that if you want to get anywhere and it's, listen, and for me, I'm not the end all be all and say someone that you look up to an Elon Musk, a Tony Robbins, uh, whoever, uh, Steve Jobs you know these are not the end all beals. they have insecurities they have fears they have doubts they have failures they have fear you know like everything that you think of them they just may not talk about as much for two reasons one is if you talk about it it multiplies whatever you focus on grows so and the second thing is they as a uh, leader do not want to focus on that because the followers or the employees or their fans or whatever don't want them to just be negative and talk about failures and whatever, but they all have it. So continuously, we'll, we'll just move on to say business right now. So I started my own real estate company, and you know, a couple of the things that just didn't go my way was I hired a bunch of people in the beginning, and none of them are around, and I just wasn't ready. It was all me. It was not them at all. They were ready. They were they were super anxious, super eager eager to learn. And I just wasn't ready to bring people on. I thought I was, but I wasn't. And I told I had to let let them go. Um, and it's just it was embarrassing. It was also just shameful that that I wasn't able to keep them on. You know, so it's one of those things. Don't hire too quickly. Hire when when is necessary. You know, obviously uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about the opposite, which is hire as quick as you can whenever you think you need a job fulfilled. Go find it. The second is we had, we've been in business for three years now, 2014, and we've already had four websites. And does that, you know, on the grand scheme of things, does that sound like a lot? But you know what? Number one is it takes a lot of time. Number two is it takes a lot of my resources mentally. In other words, how should I design it? What is the coloring? What about the landing pages? What about the menu options? What about the verbiage? What about the images and the videos and what does it look mobile? How does it how does it show up on the back end? Can I customize it? And the third is it takes a ton of money to build and host and to customize websites, and it, you know I've spent tens of thousands of dollars by now, and' that's, that's a, it, that money could have been used way more efficiently and, and that's the thing is that so when I first started, I didn't have a lot of money, so I just built a, a casual website on wix.com and as a real estate website, you you can't really go that way. So, I then scrapped it for this other very professional but very expensive website. It cost me about 10 grand to put up. And then that's, you know, I, I looked at it and I said, this is not sustainable. I am not getting the traffic that I need. So, then I went over to another website and that was completely customized as well. And that was, you know, a couple thousand dollars as well. And now I'm going to a fourth website. And that's the thing is that, you know, when you, when, and the reason being is that you look at the metrics. So I don't look at it as failures except the fact that all the resources, time, energy, and money that could have been used for something better went into a website, which is passive. Active is me going out and getting business. Them going to the website is passive because they're not actively seeking me out. We're not a big enough brand. We're not a Nike. We're not, you know, a a Ford, you know, a brand where people go to the website to buy something. We're not that yet. However, the passive nature of the website, it needs to be visually appealing and it needs to know it has to have a purpose. So our fourth website is going to be exactly that. And when it launches, and nobody knows about it, this is the first time I'm actually, I told my parents actually yesterday about the website. And um, I told uh, a couple of the employees about the website. And that's the thing is that, uh, you know, Gary recently, and I, I believe it, is that he says, you know, do work. Become popular and then talk. Don't talk and then become popular. You know, obviously Conor McGregor does the opposite, which is <laughs> talks as much as he can, and then uh, and and now he's winning. Uh, but the opposite mindset is Gary Vaynerchuk, which is you bust your ass and then you actually start producing, and then you could be called number one. So website hiring too fast, and let's move on to. Um, here's another area, which a lot of people talk about now, and, uh, I can give you a great example, which is focusing on marketing too much instead of sales, focusing on marketing instead of sales. And I cannot stress this enough is that if you don't make money, you're out of business. If you don't make money, you're out of business. Simple as that. Simple as that. Like, for me, I always looked at it. And the reason being is that sales is fearful. You could get sales. You're literally going out and talking to people and convincing them to use your product or service. A product if you're selling shoes or a baseball bat. And then a service, your cleaning service, your landscaping service, or even online service. Like you could passively put up a website and... Even someone like Mark Zuckerberg, as much as you want to say that he put up a website and he had great, um, he went great. At, you know, uh, it was just a, a really well coded website. Whatever. Yes, he's talented. However, he also went out and he got VC help. He also went out to all the schools and he promoted it. You know, it's not like he just put up the website and was like, "Come to my website," which most people do. And that's what I did in the beginning. I did that. I did that. That's why I was so focused on my brand and my marketing. Yes, yes, it helps. However, even Apple needs to do sales. If they are look at the their best salesperson, which was Steve Jobs. He would put on a presentation and he would sell the shit out of it. Most people look at it, they're like, oh, it's a sick marketing campaign. Yeah, it's a sick marketing campaign. However, there's also sales behind it. There's also salespeople behind it. They also go in and they ask, do you want this product? Uh, I I got to tell you, if they lose, and you could see Apple is their innovation. You know, who talks about it? Peter Drucker. You need two things in a product and a service. Number one is marketing. You have to market. And number two is innovate. You have to innovate. Your product or your service continuously has to get a little bit better, and that's what you sell. You sell the innovation, okay? So there's two things. Sales is actively going out marketing is passive it's kind of just with it's it's upholding the brand that you've created if you're about clean energy and whatever and you're Tesla then you talk about charging stations and reducing fossil fuels and things like that that's your marketing however they also have sales in Elon Musk who is a beast when it comes to actually performing you know he's running 3 billion dollar companies not 3 billion 3 at least one billion dollar companies so i always focused on marketing i'll give you an example so this company came to work um, and they were pitching their 3d glasses so you stand in this little hut and this machine revolves around you and it takes a 3d image of your head and the glasses are supposed to fit perfectly on your head and whatever so i said this is fantastic I, the glasses were free. They were just doing trial runs. They were getting everything sorted out and whatever. So I get the package about three months later because they were still working out the kinks of the machine and you know three D printing and the glasses and everything else. Listen, it's a brilliant idea, okay? Because you can customize the actual glass shape, how the glasses look, the color of the glasses, the the lens, the shape of the lens, the color of the lens. Like everything is customizable. It's brilliant. It's absolutely incredible. There's a hinge on it and it's just one piece. So I get it yesterday. I open it. It has the most ridiculous packaging. Each package probably cost – there was a box within a box, and it was subdivided, and there's beautiful coloring, and, you know, it was, it was a thick cardboard and materials, and it was like this is an insane presentation. I pull out the glasses, and they're shit. I, 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 am, I am not kidding you. I literally threw them out. They looked terrible. So that's the thing is that they don't have a good product. They have incredible presentation. The presentation of the product is remarkable. However, the actual product is terrible. I put them on. I'm like, this is garbage. They felt cheap, and they were supposed to retail for $150. What are you, nuts? $150? The thing? I I, I wouldn't even want to buy it. They gave it to me for free, and I threw them out. Even if they paid me. They just looked bad. They felt cheap, and I don't care they're 3D printed. I want glasses. I bought. I bought these glasses. They're around here somewhere. I bought them for eighty bucks, ninety bucks, and I've had them for five, six years. They've been through everything. I've played hockey and bike rode with them. I've. They've been to Fiji. They've been to all over Europe, and I love these glasses. I love them. I paid ninety bucks. Imagine me paying more for glasses that I wouldn't even wear. So. That's the thing is, their sales and their product, they need to work on. Their marketing is amazing, and that's a the problem. They probably worked on their marketing and their packaging longer than they actually worked on the product and how to sell it. Because if they actually went out and they said, buy these glasses, and they actually received feedback and, and from me, and if they're listening, to hear this and say, you know what? Okay, it feels cheap. It looks cheap. The glasses are cheap. And... Then they could go back to the product and innovate the product to make it up to the price range. So, and by the way, they don't fit any better than if I actually bought glasses right out of a box store. You know that—that's the thing. So, just go through life knowing. So, those are a couple of my failures, and I don't even look at it as failures. I just look at it as just you know speed bumps. And you know, in the future, whenever I have a fear, you know, it should be a compass. You know, I forgot in the War of Art that they said, whatever your resistance is, you should have a resistant resistance compass. Whatever you resist persists. However, whatever you resist is actually what you want to do. If you really want to create a business, but you're fearful, that's exactly what you would need to do is create the business. So, and listen, I'm not a saint. I have a lot of fears. I have a lot of doubts. I have a lot of insecurities. However, working on myself, I understand and I break down my fears. So it's not like, starting a business is challenging it's like what about it is it because i feel like it's going to take off and i'm not going to be able to handle the influx of money and orders and attention or is it because i have a fear of failure so break down your fears all right so those are my personal those are my business that's as vulnerable as i can get and and to be honest you know I I have them today. I'm going to have them in the future. It's just human nature. It's complete acceptance of who who you are. And it's just, you change it as much as you can and you focus on your strengths. So leave it, you leave your comments below, subscribe on iTunes, uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, YouTube, however, you're actually listening to this and have an awesome day. I, the podcast, I feel way more comfortable on because I'm looking around, I'm thinking, I'm by myself, I don't have to worry about how I'm looking or am I keeping the people's attention, so I really do like the podcast form. Let me know if it's too long, too short, if I should talk about other things, Q&A, blah, blah, blah. So, have an awesome day, talk to you guys soon.